each and every one of us has a deep desire to have an experience that is so powerful, that is so intense, that is so glorious and beautiful that it changes us. Changes the way that we interact with the world, changes the way that we see the world. Each of us desires this experience, and each of us have had these types of experiences. Maybe you've experienced the tender parental love of someone in your life. Maybe you've witnessed something that words can't explain. Maybe you've intellectually worked and wrestled with certain concepts. Maybe you've tasted a food that transports you to a place of safety and comfort. I'd like to share one of these experiences that I've had with you. In the summer of 2006, I spent uh, in Juneau, Alaska. I was leaving Alaska in late July, early August. I don't remember the exact time, but I really wanted to see the northern lights on my way out, and it was early in the season, so it was unlikely. In any case, I was leaving the next day, so I thought, better try than not try. So me and some friends got our sleeping bags, um, put them out uh, on the beach, and laid up talking late into the night. We told stories, jokes, laughed and cried. Honestly, we were losing hope as the night went on. In my memory, it just happened suddenly. It didn't warm up. It didn't sneak in. It just blasted in front of us. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was exactly like what you see in movies and pictures, except the sky is your screen. It's unexplainable. It was so beautiful and magnificent. I felt so small. This isn't the only experience that I've had that's changed me. I could talk about visiting the Grand Canyon. I could talk about visiting the Taj Mahal. Or I could talk about my wedding day to my wife. Or being present at the birth of my children. Each and every one of us crave these types of experiences that change us to our core Our gospel reading in John, we actually get to see that very interaction between Nathaniel and Jesus. As we look into John, let me pray for us, so please pray in your hearts. Lord God, we humbly come to you to ask for your guidance, your exhortation, your encouragement, but above all, to see your Son, Jesus Christ, more clearly. Give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to discern the gentle words of the Holy Spirit shedding greater light on the all-surpassing beauty of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his great name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you wanted to follow along looking at our gospel reading in your bulletin, this is the type of life-changing experience that we get to encounter with Nathaniel and Jesus. Jesus is calling his first disciples. Nathaniel experiences this revelation of who Jesus is. Today, in the church calendar is the second Sunday after Epiphany. So Epiphany occurs uh, after Christmas, after the 12 days of Christmas. Epiphany is literally the revealing, the manifestation of Christ and who he is in the fullness of his deity as the Christ, as the Messiah, revealing who he is to us today. In our gospel reading, this is exactly what we're encountering, is Jesus revealing himself to Nathaniel. So, Nathaniel, he's interacting with Jesus. It's honest. He's honestly seeking. He's evaluating. He's considering. He's contemplating. He's 
interacting this way because Philip made some pretty bold promises. If you look at this, this is what Philip says. He says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. We found the one the prophets also wrote about. This was a pretty big promise. This was the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the one who was promised to come save God's people to establish his kingdom, to bring freedom. The invitation that Philip gives to Nathanael is this, come and see, come and see. This invitation may sound familiar to you. Anybody reading uh, the gospel according to John straight through, this would be really familiar because just a few verses before, verse 37 and 39, this is the exact wording that Jesus uses. So two of John the Baptist's disciples start following Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? They're really awkward and uncomfortable and they say, where are you staying? Which is, you know, makes sense. And Jesus says, come and you will see. There's this invitation to come, ask, evaluate, consider, come and see. So why does John keep repeating this invitation? Why is John, the author of the gospel according to John, keep writing this? It's because the invitation is to me. The invitation is to you. Come and see. So Nathaniel, honestly seeking, He's greeted by Jesus like Jesus knows him, which is already kind of annoying when somebody does that. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Then Nathaniel, he erupts in praise because Jesus saw him in the most intimate of places. When Nathaniel honestly seeks, he finds out that he is known when Nathaniel honestly seeks, he finds out that he is known. I don't know about you, but when I seek, I want to do the finding. But what we see here is Nathaniel is found. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To be known, to be known so deeply and intimately. So there's a lot of guessing about the fig tree and it's just that. It's guessing. There's not enough in the text to fully understand what the fig tree is. But we know that it's something so intimate that only Nathaniel would know about. And the fact that Jesus says, I see you, provokes a Christological confession from Nathaniel. He erupts in confessing that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God, the King of Israel. So you may or may not know, uh, but I'm new to village I'm new here, I'm new to Greenville, I'm new to South Carolina. I moved here 19 days ago uh, with my spouse Emma and our three children. Um, their kids' names, some people are like, what are your kids' names? You should say their names. I will. Uh, my three kids are Ebenezer, Posey, and Agatha. So we've been here just for less than three weeks, and we are so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here with this church. We're so glad to be joining the work that God has been doing in this community and in Greenville through Village. I want to hang out with you. I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. And I do have a calendar, so if you go onto the website, the staff page, there's this little hyperlink that says, book time with Mike. I want to hang out with you. I know that there's a lot of you here, and this is the second service, and I said the same thing. I want to hang out with you. Please schedule time with me, because it is such a beautiful gift to be known and to know people. 
It is such a wonderful, amazing, beautiful gift to know and be known. And it takes time. It takes energy. It takes tears. It takes laughter. It takes meals. It takes activities. It takes seasons to get to know somebody so deeply. The Lord knows you. He has seen you at your worst and your best. And he still wants you. He still wants you and calls you as he did Nathaniel. He's seen you under the fig tree, the place that is so intimate that how could anybody else surely know the Lord has seen you? So when we accept this invitation to come and see this Jesus to evaluate the claims that he is the Christ, you will see that you are known, that you are known by him. Not just known, but also wanted. And we, like Nathaniel, respond with praise and adoration. In a little while, we're going to pray, Holy, 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 Lord God. This is a prayer. It's, it's wonderful because we do it every week. But it becomes normal. It's holy, holy, oh my goodness. This is an amazing, beautiful declaration of the glory of Christ. So like Nathaniel This may come as a surprise to you. It may come out of left field, this kind of revelation. Looking back at our text, when there's this promise of the Messiah, what does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, he says this, not because Nazareth was anything. There wasn't like this fun rivalry. Who's like a rival for Greenville? Is this in Asheville? Is that a, what's that? This isn't Columbia. Like, what good can come out of Columbia? I hope you didn't make me say something embarrassing. Um, but there's, it was nothing. It was, there was no rivalry. There was no jealousy. There was not, it was just a nothing town. It wasn't prophesied. There was no reason to expect that the Messiah, the Christ, would come from this place. It was Nazareth. It was nothing. So what is Nazareth to you? What is the unlikely place that you do not expect to receive the glory of the revelation of who Christ is. In my personal experience, and in a lot of the stories that I've gotten to hear from 15 years of ministry, for a lot of us, this place, this place that we don't expect to encounter the glory of God, is often our pain. The places in our lives that hurt, the places that we've learned to ignore or push to the side or swept under the rug, often out of necessity, just to function, often out of fear of processing something so hurtful. Can anything good come out of this place? No, 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 Mike. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for northern lights. I'm looking for Grand Canyon, something big, something beautiful. I know the place you're talking about, and the freedom of God is not there. Pete Scazzaro Uh, was a pastor in Queens, New York. He's now a psychotherapist and an author. He shares and writes a lot about emotional health. He wrote a book uh, that has had a significant impact on me called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Does anybody know this book? Is anybody? Okay, lots of you. Wonderful. It's a great book. I, I recommend it. But this is what he writes. I want you to listen to this. Countless sincere followers of Christ stagnate at the wall, he's talking about this wall to enter into the dark night of the soul, the grief that plagues us. Countless sincere followers of Christ stagnate at the wall, no longer move forward with God's purpose in their lives. 
Some of us hide behind our faith to flee the pain of our lives rather than trust God to transform us through it. We utter platitudes like, in all things God works for the good. We smile and we sing contemporary praise songs about our victory in Jesus. We don't curse or get bitter at God. We keep it together to demonstrate to the weaker members of the body and the watching world that our faith is solid and strong. So many of us are living this way. We refuse to journey into the pain that is certainly existing and demanding in our hearts. We're afraid that what's on the other side is is proof that our faith is null or that Jesus is not actually with us. We're afraid that we're going to look weak. We're afraid that, uh, that a strong faith actually means just having it all together, having the answers all the time. And we're afraid that people are going to look at us and accuse us of having a weak faith. And I affirm that fear. I'm not demeaning that fear. And I hope you feel that I'm saying I feel this. This is scary and this is hard, but the Lord, he promises to be with us. Some of us may desire to be called like Samuel was. If you recall in our reading from uh, 1 Samuel 3, the Lord called Samuel three times. He even stood beside Samuel. We want to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We want to receive a prophetic word. We want to stand before kings and speak God's word to them. Even if it's difficult to hear, we want this type of calling. But this is only possible if we have this Nathaniel type of encounter with Christ. This type of encounter when we honestly seek him. This encounter where we experience his, his deep knowing of us and we see Christ as the Messiah. Others of us simply are just trying to live a righteous life. We're trying to pursue the type of living that God has created us to be. Or, excuse me, pursue the type of living that God has created us for. In our reading from 1 Corinthians, it gives us an example of this. And it shows us just how difficult it is to live this life. The Corinthians thought that Christ simply saved our souls. So that was the only thing that we set aside for worship. So we can do whatever we want to do or whatever we feel like we need to do with our bodies. And Paul, who is the author of 1 Corinthians, he reminds us that worship involves our whole being. Everything about us belongs to the Lord. Thus, our whole being belongs to the one who purchased our freedom. Not just our soul, not just our heart, not just our mind, not just our spirit. Our whole being belongs to God. And this is such a high calling. It is such a high calling that it's impossible to do on our own unless we are drenched in the grace of God. Unless we have this Nathaniel type of encounter with Christ where we honestly seek when we experience his deep knowing of us and we see Christ as our Messiah. But where is Jesus? So Where do we find him? I want to honestly seek. I want to encounter the Messiah. What good can come out of Nazareth? What good can come from our pain? We each deeply want to experience this glory, this beauty that changes us, this type of experience that Nathaniel had, but many of us are looking in the wrong places. I've beheld the beauty and the glory of God in creation. I have. I've shared experiences, and they are changing and I've experienced his majesty, but, but it's in our pain that we actually experience the presence of God, the real living presence 
of God. In 1960, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was asked, with all the pain and oppression he's endured at the hands of racist people and racist systems, as he fought for racial justice, how has suffering influenced his thinking? How has suffering influenced his thinking? This was King's response. There are some who still find the cross a stumbling block, and others consider it foolishness, but I am convinced more than ever before that it is the power of God unto social and individual salvation. So like the Apostle Paul, I can now humbly yet proudly say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The suffering and agonizing moments through which I have passed over the few years have also drawn me closer to God. More than ever before, I am convinced of the reality of a personal God. Did you guys hear that? More than ever before, through suffering, I am convinced of the reality of a personal God. How can that be? How can we find God in our suffering? Let's look at what Jesus said. If you want, you can listen, but you can also look at your handout as well, looking at uh, our gospel reading. So after speaking with, Nath- with Nathaniel, Jesus turns to all the disciples. Um, he says, I tell all of you, or what you guys would say here, y'all, I tell y'all the solemn truth. So in Pittsburgh, where I came from, we say yins, which was like weird for me at first. But so if I throw in a yins every once in a while, it means y'all. So you can translate that in re- real time. So I tell all y'all the solemn truth. You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In this single phrase from Jesus, he alludes to two different dreams that are recorded in Scripture. Two different dreams that are recorded in Scripture. The first is this picture of the heavens opening up, angels ascending and descending. What is this? What is happening? So, looking back at Genesis 28, Jacob who was the grandson of Abraham. Abraham was the one who Yahweh made a covenant with. So that's his granddad. Jacob falls asleep at Bethel and has this dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder coming from earth to heaven. At the top of the heavens, Yahweh, the Lord, is welcoming and smiling. His angels are ascending and descending. Does this sound familiar? This is what Jesus just said is going to happen. He said, this is what you, y'all, yins, you all are going to see. This is going to be a reality. This is a symbol of the whole power. All, of lo- all the love of God is now open, available for all of humanity, coming down to earth. So Jesus says, this is going to happen, but will they be ascending and descending on a ladder? What does he say here? So Philip Early on, says Jesus is the son of Joseph. Nathaniel, in his Christological confession, says Jesus is the son of God. And then Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. The son of man. And this is the latter. This is what the angels ascend and descend on, the son of man. So remember, the heavens are opened up. The power and love of God is available to humanity through what? The son of man. This is a title that Jesus uses to refer to himself very regularly. In the Gospel of John alone, it's 13 times that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. 
This is our second dream that Jesus alludes to. In Daniel 7, Daniel has this dream where he sees God, Yahweh, on the throne, and on his right side there's an empty throne, and that throne can only be filled by a true human, a true human who defeats sin and death. So not only is it a human, though, but this person who's seated at the throne is being worshipped and glorified as the divine. So it's somebody who is truly human and truly divine. And as we see this unfolding story, what Jesus alludes to when he takes this title over and over and over again is that he is the human divine. He is the God-man. And it is victory over sin and death is accomplished through what? The cross, through pain, through suffering. So we ask, where can I meet this Jesus? Where can I have this encounter, this experiences that changes my life? The answer is at the cross. When we ask, why must I meet Jesus in pain? The answer is because he entered into our painful reality to be with us. Henry Nouwen uh, is a 20th century priest. He was a part of the Roman Catholic tradition. He was a professor at Notre Dame. He was a professor at Yale and at Harvard, but he left academia to be a pastor in a community for people with intellectual disabilities. So together with two other priests, he wrote this book called Compassion, and I want to read just one short snippet from this. God is a God with us. A God who came to share our lives in solidarity. It does not mean that God solves our problems or shows us the way out of confusion or offers answers for all of our questions. He might do all of that, but his solidarity consists in the fact that he is willing to enter with us into our problems, into our confusion, and into our questions. Maybe you're like me. And I want this magnificent, Instagram-worthy experience that changes me, that can be captured in a single frame, shared with everybody, clean, bow on top, and it's just this beautiful, easy experience. But the gospel invites us, come and see. Encounter the living Christ present in the depths of our pain because he endured the cross to defeat sin and to free us into his kingdom. And this kingdom is God's kingdom. It's not the kingdom of pain and grief where we constantly are morose, proving how serious we are. Life is terrible. Pain is the only thing that exists. It's not the kingdom of pain and grief. It's also not the kingdom of flippant happiness in which we avoid grief or try to speed past it, pretending that we're living life to the fullest. It is the kingdom of God that we are brought into. The kingdom of God that through the person and work of Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the pain and suffering of the cross. He knows your pain. He knows your grief. He fully entered into our stories. And it is the Holy Spirit that continues to point us back to his work. The Holy Spirit that fills us with joy and peace that in which we serve our world and serve the community. It points, the Spirit points us back to Christ over and over and over again. So in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion, the Eucharist. 
This life-changing encounter with Jesus, it's not a single event for us. This isn't a one type of experience that you cling to for the rest of the life, for the rest of your life. We're invited over and over and over and over again to encounter Christ every day over and over again. When we come to the table, we are come and see. That's what we're doing. We're experiencing the goodness of the Lord, knowing that he knows us, seeing his divinity, seeing his goodness. I want to give the invitation to you and to me what John gives to us. Come and see. Let's pray together. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory, to the welfare of all people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.